Hello, and welcome back to the Celtics Lab podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag. I'm your host for today, Cameron Tepetavai, joined as always by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. We have a very special, special edition of the Celtics Lab podcast today uh, as the trade deadline rapidly approaches. So we welcome in Michael Scotto of Hooptype to chat about the Celtics and what they might do heading into the trade deadline. Michael, how are you? Hey, everyone. Doing well, fellas. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, thanks so much for your time. We know that this is probably the busiest part of your calendar year. So we're going to get right into it. We have a few questions about what we've heard about the Celtics, what maybe you've heard about the Celtics, and what how the next, what is it, four and a half weeks play out. So Justin, I'm going to go to you first. We have some rumors that uh, that we actually know about. So let's start there. Justin. So there was a recent Hoops Hype podcast that had a, uh our guest, Michael Scotto, uh, taking the lead with friend of the pod, Yassi Goslin. And from that came some intelligence that the Celtics were interested in Jeff Green of the Nuggets and Jalen Smith of the Suns. And there's a couple of things I wanted to ask you about that, but let's start with a Celtics reunion for what would be the third run for Jeff Green uh, on the Celtics coming back uh, if he did this season um, I'm just curious what it is you've actually heard, considering that he's basically been a pretty solid fit. I think he just had one of the the highest scoring uh, games of his recent career, like the last couple of seasons with them. So, I mean, it really seems strange that they would even consider moving them, or maybe they're not. Maybe it's the Celtics who are asking about them. Yeah, it's, um, it's more along those lines. The Celtics uh, inquired on Jeff Green. You know, Brad Stevens values him as a locker room guy and a guy that could – impact that team on the court um and and i think you know one thing we've seen with brad they've brought back al horford um he has his guys that he's liked over the past and and you know jeff green is certainly one of them i think the brooklyn nets certainly miss him as well so it's more uh was an inquiry on that end and um you know for boston they've got plenty of guys that are bench guys that they would look to move that are younger to see if that would enticed Denver but to this point it had not um I also think Denver's going to look at uh unless there's something substantial for Jeff Green that's worth their time I think they're going to keep him looking ahead towards next season when they get back Jamal Murray Michael Porter Jr. healthy to make a run in the Western Conference that was kind of the the feel that I was getting just from looking at things so it's, it's good to hear that the other aspect that you covered on that podcast was Jalen Smith of the Phoenix Suns now, that to me hints at perhaps the idea of make me, maybe making some other moves in the front court and kind of trying to bolster or at least maybe, you know, a better form of roster balance. Uh, but he has a similar issue as another player on the Celtics roster, Dennis Schroeder, in that because they declined, I think it is his 30-year team option, uh, they can't re-sign him for more than that amount or whatever team acquires him from the Suns can also do that. So that would be the Celtics as well. So that is one issue, but Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report actually uh, implied that perhaps Schroeder was the offer in that case. And I've heard other people, friend of the pod, Rohan Nadkarni of Sports Illustrated, has also suggested that that might be a good trade. So I'm wondering what you heard about that particular uh, bit of intelligence. Yeah, when I put that out, I I had heard that, but I kept that part a little bit quiet. So, I mean, it got out, it got out. But yeah, I... Ultimately, because they're in similar situations, the difference for the Celtics would be, you know, Jalen Smith is a younger guy that they could potentially try to keep. 
Um, you know, Dennis Schroeder is a guy that has been good for the Celtics so far, but um, if you're going to try to have the same situation, if you're the Celtics right now, you'd rather have it with a younger guy that maybe you could uh, have with the core going forward uh, around those guys and uh, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, you know, Robert Williams there as well. Um, you know, Jalen Smith has shown some ability at the five so far for the Phoenix Suns. Um in a and I don't want to know if I want to say a small ball five, but more like a five out kind of guy. Um, so, you know, it's interesting for both. I mean, look, there's a reason why Phoenix declined his option beforehand. He hadn't showed anything until he finally got on the court, and they were looking for more out of him. I think Chris Paul, in particular, mentioned that uh, in a post game press conference. So, ultimately, I'll say this: Boston certainly work on the phones. They're doing their due diligence on all ends of the spectrum, and I I think they need to. This I don't think this has been the season that they necessarily thought that they were going to have. So the the other thing that from the Suns that seems interesting to me, we can talk a little bit more about this later, but have you heard any interest in them, the Celtics being interested in perhaps picking up Dario Saric's contract? Because he does seem to be someone they would be uh, inclined to move. I had not heard that as of yet, no. The last thing I would like to talk to you about is this idea that seems to be gaining a little bit of traction, which is making me happy, uh, of the Celtics trying to hit singles. There was a recent interview, I think it was Jay King of The Athletic, where he talked to uh, new team president Brad Stevens. I guess he's not so new anymore, but team president Brad Stevens about the, the goals moving forward. And it really did sound that Brad is really looking towards anything that gets the team closer and it doesn't necessarily need to be a home run, which is... I think kind of a, been a problem in the last several years of Danny Ainge's tenure as, as the head of the Celtics. So uh, what would that look like in your opinion at the trade deadline? In my opinion, something smaller along the lines of like uh, maybe like a Jeff Green. It's really more for the locker room and they've got to break up a little bit of that bench rotation they have I don't think it's been what they thought some of those younger guys haven't panned out I think at a certain point um they need to prioritize which guys like Aaron Neesmith Peyton Pritchard which guys are going to be part of their core and if they're not try to move off of them and get something of value while you can because I think Boston is in, you know, you've got your core in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Robert Williams certainly factors into that. Um, you know, Marcus Smart, his name is always going to be mentioned uh, when it comes to trade talks just because he's a valuable player that can impact winning and he's a solid role player and he can start as well. So to me, I think that um, that's more the type of, of singles instead of the grand um, blockbuster trades that maybe, you know, Danny Ainge had done in the past when, when he was swinging for the fences. Cool. Well, I'm going to pass it on to Alex now. Uh, hopefully he's not having technical difficulties. We were having a little bit of issues a little bit earlier. Alex, are you there? Well, Mike, let's just keep it moving because I think you identified kind of the, the problem of the year for the Celtics, which is as much as it's fun to, to open the trade machine and see who fits where, ultimately it's up to ownership if they're willing to pay the tax. So let me ask you this, at this moment, does it seem like Boston's ownership is willing to stay in the tax? Because there's a few, there are a few million dollars in the tax at the moment. 
you know, I had touched on this with my colleague, Yossi Gazlin. We, we expect them to try and move out of that and make a, a, a trade to save some money. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all to see a guy like Juancho Hernan Gomez on the move to try to get out of that. And, you know, obviously they've touched on Schroeder, um, but that's not really going to move the needle a ton. It's more a guy like Juancho Hernan Gomez I'm looking at in particular. Do you think there's a world where either the coach or Stevens or the landscape of the East, something could change that would convince ownership that maybe spending into the tax does make sense this season? Or do you think barring some sort of... I I don't see it at this point because to me, I I think the East, you know who the real contenders are in the East and it's Chicago, it's Milwaukee, it's Brooklyn. Um, I just don't think that Boston's there to this point. And um, they've, they've underwhelmed so far. So I don't, I don't see why anything would change in the next few weeks that would dictate them going into the luxury tax to me um, when you're looking at the bigger picture and be getting out of the tax now, what it could potentially open up um, looking ahead towards the next season and beyond when they'll have a, a better chance, I think. And you're still going to have the core of, of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown that you've got their young guys you can build around for a while. Do you think that either the front office or ownership sees Rob Williams as part of that core, or do you think that's still to be determined? I think Robert Williams, obviously they re-signed him and um, to a deal that they liked. I think that they would listen certainly if a team called on Robert Williams, everything's relative, right? It's all about due diligence and, and whatnot, but I think in the short term, yeah, he's still a young guy that could be part of the core. The biggest thing for Robert Williams has always been his ability to whether he can stay on the court or not. Um, his shot blocking is there, his, his physical ability is there. It's just if he can maintain uh, his health ultimately. So for now, yeah, I, I think he's a guy that they look at as a core guy, but time's going to tell ultimately because I do expect teams to call on him and just see and doing due diligence, what his value could be in their eyes. There was a lot of noise about splitting up Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. I can't imagine that came from Boston. To your knowledge, were people calling about Brown's availability early this season? Oh, teams are always calling on Jalen Brown, but um, as far as him being available or not, I don't, I don't see that yet, but anything is possible, but I, I don't see it as of now. Maybe they revisit things down the line. If they can get a uh, – you need a boatload to get a guy like Jalen Brown. I mean, they really value the kid, and they should. I think they could just use a better supporting cast around those guys. And I, and I understand where some people wonder if the two of them fit ideally together. Um, they're not exactly going to complement each other like a, maybe a pick-and-roll point guard and a big man. It's different. you got two wing scorers. I don't, I don't see a need for Boston to move off those guys yet at all. No, but I think we're all in agreement on this call. Uh, one more very Celtic-specific question, and then we have a few others if you still have some time. I, I think I know the answer to this, but what do you think is the future of some of these TPEs that Boston is sitting on? So the remainder of the Evan Fournier TPE, the Tristan Thompson TPE. To me, if they're trying to get out of the luxury tax and, and move off a guy like Juancho Hernan Gomez, I don't know what 
player would fit into those uh, TPEs that's going to move the needle for them ultimately that they can get with the assets that they have. I think that's where it's tricky. You always like to get a traded player exception to have extra flexibility, but some just because you get one doesn't mean you're always going to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think uh, that there's plenty of other teams out there that have them. And that's more honestly like a, a question for my hoop type salary cap colleague expert Yossi Gosling he has a whole uh sheet on those teams but I I don't necessarily see it at this point unless it's going to be a real uh difference maker at this point yeah I again suspect we're all in agreement here uh Alex texted me he sends his regards but his wi-fi is just not cooperating today uh Michael if you have a little more time I have just a few questions kind of about the league at a glance and if there's connections to Boston please let us know but otherwise um, I just want to ask you what you're hearing about some of the teams that seem to be popping up in the rumor mill. So between the Pacers, the Hawks, and the Kings, which team do you think is most likely to make a big move? I think in a way, the two teams I would say to make a bigger move, I would say the Pacers and the Hawks because the Pacers have a lot of guys that are on the market. And I touched on it today on Hoop Site, especially with Miles Turner being out there for two first-round picks or a promising young player on a first-round pick. You've got Karis LeVert. They want to get a young guy for and a first-round pick as well. And I, I think those are guys that are some of the bigger names right now that are more realistically uh, expected to potentially move with the Hawks. They've had an underwhelming season and we already saw with the Cam Reddish trade that draft pick mm-hmm. they got, I think is ultimately was obtained to be flipped in a trade for a win now asset to, to better that team. They've, they've got like most of their core. I think the biggest question is if John Collins is going to stay there or they look to move him, but it, you know, you touched on Sacramento as well. Sacramento, you know, they wanted to make the playoffs, but their roster is simply not good enough in my opinion to do so. And I think they're going to have a a moment where they need to decide if they're going to get like a short-term guy to try to help them just end that playoff drought and and get there. Even though I don't think unless they get a real difference maker, like maybe Ben Simmons, if he comes back, that that would really move the needle for them. You know, I could see teams certainly reaching out to them about Harrison Barnes, who was linked to the Celtics a lot last year at the trade deadline. uh, You may recall you know, teams have an affinity for Tyrese Halliburton. Um, you know, De'Aaron Fox has a pretty high contract number. I don't think everybody around the league necessarily views him as a max contract guy. So I, I certainly think they're going to be in a plenty of conversations. But as far as teams making moves, I would think at this point, Indiana and Atlanta more so than Sacramento at this point. So that kind of breaks my heart because I would love to see the Celtics engage the Kings on Buddy Heald, who did not come up just now when you spoke about Sacramento. Do you think there's any movement uh, towards trading Buddy Heald at all? And could Boston get in on that? Or I I need to (laughs) change my expectations. I mean, the funniest thing is, in theory, Buddy Heald was was essentially (laughs) Buddy Heald was essentially traded to the Lakers Mm -hmm. and it fell through when they got the Westbrook deal. So, yeah, I could see him getting moved again, but I, the Lakers were the team that had it on the table. I wonder now if they try to revisit that. And, again, that was a connection due to Rob Palenka, his former agent, who's uh, the general manager there with the Lakers. So, I mean, certainly Buddy Hill's name gets tossed out there. I'm not sure if uh, 
there's going to be enough to, to move the needle, though, for either uh, a team or, or Sacramento at this point. I mean, he's another guy like Miles Turner. His name has, has constantly been out there. So, yeah. And just to be thorough, have you heard anything about the Celtics and Ben Simmons, either as a trade partner or a facilitator? I have not. Okay, so I, I guess we have one last question, which is if, if between now and the trade deadline, do you see that Boston making a lateral move, a win-now move, or do they become sellers in any capacity? If you had to guess, what do you think is the outcome for Boston? Overall, I, I would look for Boston to try to get the best value they can for Dennis Schroeder, simply from the fact that financially because of the salary cap rules, it's going to be very tough for them to retain him next year. You might as well get an ass, uh, an asset back for him if you can. Um, and also like shedding Wancho Hernan Gomez's contract to help with the luxury tax bill and to try to get underneath that, I think uh, would be certainly prudent for them. And I think it's something they're looking to do. Um, other than that, in terms of a, lateral move I, I i don't see them making a, a a real move that like shakes the landscape and bolsters the season for them a lateral move on the margins maybe something along the lines of like a jeff green but again i don't think denver is enticed enough to do that so for now i would say that to me i i guess and if you're going to look at it as trading away schroeder and getting off a of wancho to an extent you can call them a seller, but those, those are really more financially driven moves from the salary cap that, you know, I, the average fan may not under, like, I know, like if I was a kid and I was looking at that, I would say, well, why are you trading this guy? He's a good player. Like Dennis Schroeder scores points, but it's like, well, because there's other aspects to it financially and with the salary cap, um, you know, if they do get rid of Juancho Herman Gomez, I think in that scenario, one of two things needs to happen. One, they would have to either attach a younger player to him or a pick of some kind to get off his contract, or they would have to take a guy that's got a longer contract than Wancho than another team wants to get off of. All right, Justin, anything else? Well, that about sums it up for me. Uh, I, I do want to see if they are going to move off of the luxury tax. I do think that that is something that they would like to do if they could. But part of me believes there is a chance that they will take on salary to try to get some assets for a bigger move over the summer. I guess we're just going to have to wait and see. Yeah. So, uh, Michael, we'll close with some plugs of our own, but do you want to tell the people where they can find your work before we let you go? Sure thing. Obviously, check out hoopshype.com. Uh, right now, my reporting's at the uh, top of the page. So, that's uh, you can certainly find it there for me. On Twitter at Mike A. Scotto, uh, S C O T T O on the back end of that. And I would say three recent pieces we've had have done pretty well that I think people should check out if they have. And we did an executives poll on the top players under 25 that executives around the league would build around. Hint, hint, Jason Tatum uh, makes that list pretty highly. And uh, other than that, um, also did a podcast with my colleague Yossi Goslin. We touched on the trade deadline preview a week ago for several teams. 
Um, and most recently, the last Intel piece I had was on Miles Turner, Cavers LeVert, Houston Rockets guard Eric Gordon, and San Antonio Spurs guard Brent Forbes. So be sure to check that out as well. All right. Well, that's where you can find Michael. And to make sure that you never miss an episode of the Celtics Lab podcast, be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app and check out betonline.ag, the presenting sponsor of the Celtics Lab podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening.